several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy and are shuttled to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. Peel me a grape Crush me some ice Skin me a peach Save the fuzz for my pillow All right, and it is time for your Dr. weekly grape encounter. And anybody who knows Dr. me well knows that I have a single mantra that I live by when it comes to wine, and it goes just like this. It's your wine. You paid for it. You can do whatever you want with it, and don't let anybody tell you that you can't. Well, that means that we often talk about wine innovations, and you know I love to tinker with my wine. Well, there's a gentleman across the country from me who's been tinkering with wine a lot more, I would say, than I've been because he's doing some things that some would call outrageous and I would call, well, good for you (laughs) because uh, I always appreciate people who take chances and come up with interesting products and ideas. And that is the case with Joe Pellig. He is the founder of the Friends Fun Wine Company. And Joe, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Listen, you know what? I'll tell you, I sometimes get some people making funny faces at me because of some of the things that I do with wine, but you're pushing it to the outer limit, I must say. Yes, correct. I'm coming for 30 years in the food and beverage business, and I saw for years that the wine is uh, always for snobs. 10% of the population have, uh, you know, some information or they drink wine. And I was thinking why the 90% that are left behind are not going to do and drink and be friendly with the wine too. So that's where we are. So you started out doing some fun things with wine in cans, right? And let's talk about the first innovations with the Fun Wine Company. How did it all start and what were the first products? And let's not yet tell people about the products that we're going to talk about today because I I want that to be a bit of a surprise. Okay. So there is two things that we developed here. The beginning, we started with the new packaging for the wine. Uh, You know, usually people need to open a bottle of 750 and not everyone wants to open a bottle for, uh, let's say, for himself or if you're coming home, if you want to have a glass of wine for you and for your wife or your girlfriend, whatever it is. So you don't want always to open a bottle. So it started from there and we saw that all the world is going for aluminium. It's recyclable. We developed this can with uh, Rexam. is the, the largest uh, can manufacturer in the world. They do all the Coca-Cola, Red Bull, Heineken, 
all the biggest names. They are a huge company. So I met with them and we discussed that and they thought it, it's a great idea. And they, we developed a can that is a coating from, from the inside. And this can is even much better than a glass bottle for wine. And it's recyclable. And it's the same can like the Red Bull, the 250 milliliter, 8.4 ohms. Let me better understand. So the can actually has a coating inside so that the wine that goes inside the can doesn't pick up the canned flavor. Correct. Uh, you know, it was the same problem with the beer 20 years ago. Today, all the cans and all the, the bottles that you see from aluminiums are much, much better than the regular glass bottles. And as you know, also the glass bottles, most of them are going to be out soon, especially depend on the area and where it is. But the aluminium bottle today are all coating and the aluminium cans, and they are uh, perfect. There is oh, no okay. lights on them, so they don't hurt the wine. And we think that this uh, was the first stage on that product. Why do you think that winemakers were not putting wine in cans? Although there were a few, because I know Francis Ford Coppola, you can get the Sophia wine right. in a can, and I've seen a few others, but mostly they don't do that. I think that the regular wine is good for a can. I don't think that vintage wine is for a can. Yeah. But I, you're going to see more and more uh, production of wine in cans. We found very fast that we want to do a different product inside, and this is the second innovation that we do is the fun wine category, what we call, and this is the low alcohol wine that we are doing, that we think that this is more friendly on taste, much more friendly flavored uh, for the 90% who have no clue and are not friendly with wine, and they are mostly beer drinker maybe or other drinker, and we think that they are really, they want to start somewhere with the wine, but usually if they will start with the Cabernet or the Merlot, the Shiraz, or even the Chardonnay, it's not going to be a good start for them, and they're going to go back to the beer. So there are some that would argue, Joe, that wine is more fun when it's got more alcohol. <laughs> uh, it can be, you know, yeah. but it all depends with whom you're talking. We, we are targeting a lot of women, first of all. 70% of our customers are women, millennials. And we think today the biggest problem in the world, not in the United States, every day, by the way, there is an article about big companies that are going into low alcohol products. Yesterday, you saw a big article, Budweiser themselves are going into low-alcohol beer, the low-alcohol wines. Everyone is going into low-alcohol product, and the reason is that people go out, they drink two shots of tequila, and their, 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 their evening is done. And I think that like this, you can, you can uh, go out, you can hang on, you can have a good time, and you can still drive back. And I think that this is a, a different philosophy, a different view. This is something that you can have with a pizza, with a hamburger. You can have it during the day. You're not going to be feeling dizzy after that. This is a completely new product that people will get to start to use to not only overnight and also during the day, during a football game, during a basketball game, during a show, during a lot of things, during boating, during the beach. Anything that you can think of, this product is good for. So the idea was to create a product that was more responsible, was more recyclable, and was more fun. Correct. And you can you can drink it not after two shots, you are uh, out. Well, I think you're exactly right about the difference between drinking fine wine, a wine that might cost 60 100 even $200 a bottle, and drinking wine that is more recreational in nature. You know, when you go on a picnic, you don't necessarily want to take... The 
the most expensive thing that you have in your house or your cellar because there's so many distractions that, you know, you're there for a different reason. But when you're sitting down with friends and you're getting serious about wine and you're focused on the wine, then I think it makes more sense to open the more expensive bottle of wine because it's got your full attention at that point in time, but not when you're out riding in a boat. Correct. It's also for uh, people who not always are so familiar with wine and they want to sit outside and, and have a drink. And this is for a lot of moments, as I said before. And you have the four Moscatos, you have the white and rosé, you have strawberry Moscato, you have a peach Moscato. We were the first one to start with Moscato with flavor about a year and a half ago. And it's the most successful product that we have in the company right now, the two flavored Moscatos. And you know that the Moscato right now is growing up really, really fast, replacing the champagne. And this is one of the most attractive uh, product in the United States and in many, many other places in the world. And the most uh, innovating thing that we did was two, three months ago, we launched a coffee wine that is the first coffee wine in the world. We have a Chardonnay 6% alcohol with a cappuccino flavor, and we have Cabernet 6% alcohol with espresso flavor. All right, Joe, you just spilled the beans. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. That was our big secret, Joe. We were going to save that, but that's okay. So there's the big innovation. There's the big shocker. You came out with two wines that have coffee in it. Correct. Coffee. That sounds completely crazy. And you know what? Here's the truth. I have sitting in front of me a regular cup of coffee. I have a nice glass of regular wine. I then have the coffee wine, the coffee espresso Cabernet. Okay. Uh, and I have one chilled and I have one that I've heated up according to instructions that you gave at the end of last year. And then finally, I have just chilled the Chardonnay coffee cappuccino. I'm going to do a little taste testing on these. We're going to do that in just a second. But very quickly, can you just tell us where do you get your grapes and what is the quality of the product wine-wise that goes into these cans? Okay. We buy all our grapes in Europe. We are using uh, the manufacturing that is one of the five largest manufacturers of wine in Europe. We do factory in uh, Germany and a factory in France. We buy our grape from all over Europe, and we use the Muscat grapes and Chardonnays. But you stop the fermentation at 6%. This is the difference in this wine than a regular wine. But the quality of the wines are very, very high. And the main thing is that we were looking from the beginning on a price that everybody can buy it and it will be compared to the beer. So a can like this include two glasses of wine and the retail price is one ninety nine. It's a dollar per glass of the wine. Well that's pretty cheap. Uh, We're talking to Joe Peleg. He is the CEO of the Friends Fun Wine Company based out of Miami, Florida, right? Correct. Why not Napa? <laughs> it's a good question. All right. We're gonna come back with Joe Peleg and I'm gonna do my taste test on the radio. I've not tasted the products yet, Joe. You okay? We're gonna do this just the way it comes out and I get to say whatever I feel, right? Of course. All right, we're going to do that. We're talking to Joe Pallick from the Friends Fun Wine Company out of Miami, Florida, and my taste test is next here on Grape Encounters Radio. And with the radio blast and go cruising just as fast as she can now. And she'll have fun, fun, fun till her daddy takes a T-Bird away. Fun, fun, fun We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. 
The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin wine access system costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. As a grape encounterist, you know how much fun an hour of conversation about wine can be each week. But there's no way we can pack everything into a show. Listeners just like you are turning the Grape Encounters Radio Facebook group into an incredible online community where like-minded wine lovers converse, share information, and inspire each other with posts on a variety of interesting topics. If you haven't discovered your community, join in today on Facebook by entering Grape Encounters Radio. Giving you permission to do things with wine that you never dreamed of. Here's David Wilson. Coffee in the morning and wine at night. If I had coffee and wine, everything is alright. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and it is a known fact that those of us who like wine are oftentimes connoisseurs of coffee, too. But what about the idea of blending your wine with coffee? It almost seems unthinkable, but there is one person who thought it was a great idea, and apparently it is because it's getting a lot of play and a lot of buzz. He's Joe Pellig. He is the CEO and founder of Friends Fun Wine Company out of Miami, Florida, and I have in front of me right now a couple of his coffee wines. You know what? I'm the most open-minded person in the wine world, but blending my favorite morning drink with my favorite evening drink? I'm not so sure. Hey, Joe, you've got a commercial on that shows a very good-looking couple. A man brings a cup of warm coffee wine to his loved one in bed. Yes, this is breakfast in bed. It's a, this Instead is a, this of a, the, the mimosa or the, the regular champagne, now there is coffee wine for breakfast, for brunch. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try that on my wife. It's going to be tomorrow morning. She's getting okay. coffee and wine in bed. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to start with the Chardonnay coffee cappuccino. So how much of this is coffee and how much is espresso, I guess, right? Yeah, what we're doing here, it's a very light flavor of cappuccino. You can smell it. You can feel it very well, but it's not like very strong. And there is 
also a hint of chocolate. There is a few things that we put all together that the flavor and everything is going to be good and smell, but not too strong, so you can still feel the taste of the wine. Here comes my sip. I swear I have not tasted this yet before. Here we go. Great. Mm. Mm. Okay, not what I expected. Wow. You know, it's so unusual if I tasted it. I don't know if I would be sure that I was drinking something with coffee or wine. It's it's a completely different animal. Correct. It, it's very different. Is there sugar added to this? Yes, a little bit. A little bit of sugar. And it truly is Chardonnay that's in there. And when you say cappuccino, cappuccino usually has milk in it. But I'm looking at the ingredient panel and I don't see any milk. No, ingredient. it's a cappuccino flavor. I see. And you have also a hint of chocolate inside. Hmm. It's a little bit sweet, but it's not too sweet. And uh, otherwise, if you don't add sugar, it's going to be a little bit bitter. So you need to find the right way to serve it. Okay. You know what? I'm open-minded, and I'll tell you what. I think that that is a pretty interesting drink. And, you know, it's it's very tasty. I just, Thank you, you. you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know that I would call it a wine, and I don't know that I would call it a coffee drink, particularly. That's I, exactly I why we are calling it fun wine. I don't know what it we is. We don't want to call our product wine. Yeah. yeah we're we're going to call it a Joe Pelig pleaser. <laughs> That's good. We are talking about the fun wine category. The Red Bull arrived 27 years ago with an energy drink. And I remember that time. And I tasted first time the Red Bull and I didn't understand what they are talking about. So we are in the same situation. We are bringing something new. You know, in some of the menus in our clients, you have in the menu wine, you have beer, and then you have a section of fun wine. This is where we, are, where we want to go. We want to have this section like the energy drink 27, 25 years ago. We want to have a fun wine. And you can see a lot of big companies today in the world, big wine manufacturers are going into low alcohol wine, right. flavoring wine, because that's what people like. And that's what you said at the beginning of this show. You know what? Each to his own. There's a reason why people, some people paint their houses pink, right? They like it. You know what? None of us have a right to criticize somebody's taste unless it, for some reason, infringes on our own lives. Right. And, and then you can say something. All right, here we go. Now, I'm going to take a sip of regular coffee. Here we go. Mm. Now I'm going to, yeah, that's a good cup of coffee, by the way, Starbucks. And now I'm going to taste the Cabernet Coffee Espresso. Now this, now this is strange because this pours out red. I mean, it doesn't have any uh, darkness of coffee. It's decaf. It's not with caffeine. Oh, it's not with caffeine. Okay. All right. No, here we go. I'm, you're not allowed I'm, to do caffeine with alcohol in the United States and many, many other countries in the world. So, serious? Uh, there, there's something. That's why I mean. we did it with the decaf. You get the flavoring, you get the taste, you get everything, but you don't have the problem with the alcohol and the caffeine together. All right, here comes my sip. All right, that is really yummy. I'm going to tell you, straight out. Again, I wouldn't call it wine. I certainly taste the coffee in it, but it's pretty darn good. You know what? You got the name right on. It's fun. It's just fun. That's it. That's what we want to do. Okay, here's the scary one. We just have one minute left. This is the warmed up one. I put it in the microwave. I followed your instructions. I'm taking a sip right now out of a coffee cup. Mm. Not the first time I've consumed wine out of a coffee cup, by the way. Okay. I could get into that. That would be nice before going to bed. There's no caffeine, right? No. So I could drink this before I go to bed, a little hot toddy. Correct. All right. Because, by the way, it was not planned to be like this, I have to tell the truth. <laughs> Very fast, we found out that people love the product when you warm it a little bit. And we tasted it a few times, and we did a focus group on that, and everybody was so excited. Okay, well, you know, there you have it. Joe Pellig, nice talking to you. You must be doing something right, because you're with some of the biggest wine distributors in the world, and you're what in Walmart, Kmart, 7-Eleven, Food Lion, uh, Save-A-Lot.
Scott and lots of other places. So I guess people are buying up this product. We understand today that this category is huge. Yeah. Okay. I got you. You know what? Again, to each his own. It's your wine. You paid for it. You can do whatever you want with it. If you want more information about Joe's wines, you can go to friendsfunwine.com. That's friendsfunwine.com. Joe, I really appreciate you being on. This was an interesting little experiment and opened my mind to even new and bigger ideas. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I hope to be in touch anytime you need. Okay. Well, that sounds great. We're now going to get on to, is it okay for me to say, Joe, more serious wine? I can say that, right? Uh, maybe the traditional wine. All right. We're going on to traditional wine with the wine editor of Sunset Magazine, Sarah Schneider. She hung out with a major rock star for a number of days, and we'll talk about that next on Grape Encounters Radio. Coffee and wine make my days so If you love wine, then you probably love to travel, too. And there are two places you should really visit soon. The best part is you don't even have to pack a bag or leave your house. If you're looking for adventures in wine, log on to GrapeEncounters.com. There you'll find an audio library of more than 300 stories that will take you virtually anywhere you want to go. At GrapeEncounters.com, you'll find short subjects as well as full stories. All audio can be downloaded with one click, and you'll be amazed at the broad range of subject matter. Another place you really should visit is our Facebook group page. Simply search for Grape Encounters Radio or click on the link on our website. The Grape Encounters Radio group has become a formidable place for wine lovers to exchange ideas, introduce products, and share upcoming events. If you're not already a group member, then join the party on Facebook. Grape Encounters is more than a radio broadcast. It's a family of like-minded, fun-loving, unpretentious wine lovers. Come fill up your glass today. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift from EpicStyle.com. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email david at grapeencountersradio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the wine going bad. And while a Coravin wine access system costs a little bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com. Hello, Mr. Wilson. Wilson! Welcome to the show. Don't bother adjusting the knobs on your radio. It's a special transmission. Direct to your head. He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and Sunset Magazine's Sarah Schneider. No, 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 Mr. Wilson. This isn't where you should be. Everybody's waiting patiently. Wilson, where are you? Time once again for Sipping with Sarah. I'm surprised that Sarah Schneider, wine editor of Sunset Magazine, is even speaking to me now that she is hobnobbing with rich and famous rock stars. 
Oh, that's me. You Sarah, know. you're hanging out with rock stars now. Not only are you hanging out with rock stars, you're riding around in their car. You're making me sound like a groupie here, like the girl who follows the bus. What is that Drew Barrymore movie, Girls Who Ride Around in Cars with Boys? Is <laughs> exactly. that what it's called? Wine doing. editors who ride around in cars with rock stars. I don't know if that happens a lot, but I just did it, and it was a hoot. Everybody's kind of wondering what we're talking about, and you do have some splaining to do because you didn't invite me along, and I can understand that because you got this particular rock star's full attention. You, know, you want to talk about I, it? I did. Sorry for missing that invitation for you, David. This is such a good story, by the way. You know, this is somebody I probably would never have met if I weren't in the wine world somehow. Um, his name is Maynard James Keenan, and most people know him as the lead singer-songwriter for the old band Tool, which was big in the 90s. A lot of people love that band. They do I know still. that a lot of people are listening and going, what, Tool? But we're not talking craftsmen. No, it's still a cult fan base, and the band is still together. They can go out and sell out arenas still. But he also has a second band there in Arizona called Pucifer. Yeah, like Lucifer. Exactly. But, yeah, and, I, and I've actually seen a bit of their performance in the movie From Blood to Wine. Have you seen that movie or not? I haven't seen the whole movie. I've seen the trailer. Why not the whole movie? You know, I just haven't taken the chance to. Why didn't you watch the entire movie before you went hobnobbing? You know, I was going to, and then I didn't want to, because I wanted to just come in as a wine person and meet Maynard, too. You didn't want to appear starstruck. I guess maybe that was it. So you were escorted around at times by Maynard James. You know, they just call him MJK. MJK. In Arizona. Okay. So yeah, the deal was um, they had invited a group of wine journalists and some people in the trade, some sommeliers and wine directors, to come tour Arizona wine country. Apparently not radio people, though. Well, that's next. If you it's- had said that you were on this show, they wouldn't have invited you. <laughs> No, okay, I, I, think, right. I think your invite is in the mail. All right. Um, no, so I jumped at the chance, even if he hadn't been at the head of this. We were told that he was hosting us, and he, he honestly did. He stayed with us for three or four days. He even cooked dinner for us in his home at one point. You went to his house? His house is amazing. Did you stay the Bunker. Night? He calls it the bunker. No, we, I did not stay there. One one of the group did, though. Does he have um, a wife? He does have a wife and a three-month-old okay. baby. Oh, this, really? He, yes. Is um, he not too old for that? Well, this might be round number two. Okay. He right. has an older son as well. Yeah. But it's interesting. They call the house the bunker. It's it's built out of cement and then some gorgeous wood. And the living room is sort of juts out over the whole Verde Valley, which is near Sedona, northern Arizona, and gorgeous view. And practically the only thing in this living room is a huge black grand piano with a couple of Emmys sitting on top of it. And um, Wait, so in the living room is just a piano and Emmys? And a fireplace and I think one or two couches. That's Okay. Did you drink wine in there? We drank a lot of wine. Mostly his or only his? or When we were at his house, we drank only his wine, which he makes right there. His winery is right at the house as well. Really? Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the winery for a second. And first of all, let's talk about the movie because there are a lot of wine movies. And some of them are documentary-style movies. One of the most recent is Psalm, of course. But his movie was From Blood to Wine. I liked that movie.
movie. It was kind of a pseudo documentary because there was a lot of you know stuff that was created just for the movie. But the one thing that you learn really quickly, at least from the movie, if it's true, is that he's a hard working winemaker. He is, and I do believe that that is absolutely true. We spent a lot of time with a couple of people who work closely with him, his vineyard manager and his assistant, and they absolutely described him as being hands-on in the winery. He's doing the work. And the winery is, some people say caduceus. I think that you have a different take on the pronunciation. Well, I've also the pronunciation. <laughs> I've yeah, also okay. heard caduceus, caduceus. As, as well. For the word, I think both can go. Caduceus is easier. Well, I'm excited because you have some of his wine in front of me in the glass. I swear I haven't sipped it. I have wanted to try this wine for the longest time. You scored some. I did. Did you bring this home we, from Arizona? No, he actually sent it to me just a week or so ago. Was there a rose attached to uh, the... No, it wasn't like that. Too bad. But it was the result of a conversation we had in the car when I was driving um, in his car with him. We were in a caravan of cars. And the wine regions in Arizona are huge distances apart. So we had lots of time in the car to talk. And we were talking about how close the region we were coming to, which was Wilcox, the southeast corner, how close it is to New Mexico. And he said, you know, I'm making some wines from New Mexico now, too. And I said, truly, you know, we're not tasting any on this on this trip. He said, because this trip is about Arizona. So after that, he sent me some bottles from New Mexico. So these actually... So you're passing off the New Mexico wine on me. I thought I was getting the Arizona wine. You know, next time. Have you, you haven't tried this? I have not. No. Oh, so this, this is, is an first experience go. for both of us. All right. Yep. So what do we have here? And by the way, we are talking to Sarah Schneider from Sunset Magazine. We're <laughs> talking about the wines of Maynard James Keenan. He is the lead right. singer from Tool, a cult band, but very well known. Now, let me ask you, when you drink wine made by the lead singer from Tool, is that sip called a Tool Belt? Oh, dear. I could never have come up with that. <laughs> Kudos. And that was without any wine in my system. Okay, we, we need to start okay. drinking here. All right, so what do we have here? Okay. So we have two wines. The wine I think we should try first is from his second brand, which is called Merkin. It's slightly less expensive, and I should loop back and say his wines are not cheap at all. He's sort this is of, why I've not yeah. had any of his wine. A, he's never sent me a bottle. B, when I went to go buy a bottle of the Caduceus, it was over 100 bucks, And can, I said, wait a second, I've yeah, got wine at home. Exactly. You know I think he's the first in Arizona to break that $100 mark. We don't have those wines right here. Um, he doesn't go quite that high with his New Mexico wines. But the first one we have is Merkin, which is his second label. And he calls this one Tarzan Red. And I understand it's mostly Tempranillo with a little something else splashed in. I don't in. understand sure. because it's called Tarzan, but then he's got Da Vinci's Vitruvian Man on the label with grapes over his private parts. <laughs> well, that is... The the American label, not the Tarzan part. That's um, not the Tarzan and I, part. I don't think we even want to go into that. Is there more He's to edgy. that story? He's edgy. Okay, all right. This label has some dark images on it attached to it. Is, is there more than I've just seen here? Wait, <laughs> I'm looking around. What are you hiding here? I'm going to go on to the next wine. All right, go ahead. Wow, okay, Sarah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so the next wine is from the Caduceus label, and he calls this one Anubis, and it is mostly Cabernet Sauvignon with a little Cabernet Franc 
and some petite Syrah splashed in. Why does it say 353? I can't answer that. See, on a label it says 353. It does. I threw you. I, You know, <laughs> I hadn't seen that. I don't know what that means. All right, so I'm looking at the wines. The Tarzan is 88% Tempranilla, 12% Primitivo. Right, which is highly unusual. Yeah, that's strange. And it appears to be a tad bit lighter. So I'm thinking we start there. I think we should, but my expectations are high because the Tempranillo I tasted when I was there in the southern Arizona region, I thought was really promising. So I'm liking what they're doing with Tempranillo there. Okay, here we go. You ready? Ready. Okay. All right, here I go. Gosh. What do you think? Um, I need another sip. Okay. All right. What do you think? I Are you afraid to commit? Because I'm afraid to commit. No, I'll commit. I'm actually loving its weight. It's not a big bruiser of a, a wine at all. It's kind of light on its feet and with bright acidity and kind of briary, dusty berries. There's a tart finish. Very. That is a little peculiar to me, and I don't know if I like that or not, but I might love it. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. I either don't like it or I really like it. I'm not sure. That to me is kind of the extreme of what Tempranillo often does. It has like this balsamic vinegar tang to it. Yeah. And I think that if you put a steak with some chimichurri on it, some herbal tart sauce on it, I think that would be really yummy. Do you have any of that around here? We could, I don't know, <laughs> let's call up, isn't there a test kitchen somewhere? Yeah, uh, yeah, somewhere. Uh, you know what? First of all, that it comes from New Mexico. Right. And that it tastes this good is very promising for New Mexico. Do I love it? I can't say I do. Would I love it with that steak and chimichurri? Yes and it was really negligent of you to not bring that. But yeah, it's it's an interesting wine, but I think it really speaks to the idea that there are some very high-quality wines being made all over this country now, and this is exciting to me. I've never had a New Mexico wine. Have you? I have, okay. but mostly what I've had has been sparkling wine. There is one big sparkling winery in New Mexico owned by a French family, Gruet, and I love their sparklers, but my tasting has been thin in red table wine. Okay, can we move on to the... Anibus. Sure. Let's what does do. that mean, anibus? I'm unprepared. You know, it might be a dirty word and we don't realize it and we're just saying it on the radio. It very well could be, knowing the source. Knowing Maynard <laughs> James Keenan. Exactly. Okay, all right. I'm excited. This is a little deeper wine. Again, what's in this? Mostly Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, and then a splash of Petit Syrah. Did he crush these grapes with his bare feet? <laughs> I'm sure he does that on occasion. Uh, a little bit. A little okay. Bit, all right. Know. First thing that hits Onto me with wine. this wine, seriously, Yeah. roses. Rose petals. Whoa. Let me th- let me think. That's the Cabernet Franc talking in there. I agree with you. You can't smell something that's talking. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Splitting hairs. Splitting hairs. No, it has this floral, high, high notes yeah, of it's, floral. It's, it, and it's not really like smelling flowers in an arrangement. It's like when it's like uh, rose petals plucked from the roses. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's splitting hairs, I suppose. But okay, now but, the, but kind of in the rain, like it would be the minerally side mm-hmm. of, of some rain. I was thinking floating in the bathtub, but oh, what do I know? Your image is better. Okay, same thing with this wine. This wine is a, well, you know what it is, is both of these wines could stand a little more age on them. 
for one thing. They are very young. Uh, this wine, I think, is quite a bit more sophisticated than the other one. I would agree. I think this one is definitely a bigger wine. I'm Just a tad bit of that tartiness that's mm-hmm. going on at the end, which would probably disappear after a, a little bit of time. I, I like this wine. I would drink this wine. You know what I think? I think this is an example of where you put a wine in context and somehow it shines when you put it in the context of Arizona, it's, it's counterintuitive, but their biggest problem in some of these um, high elevation regions in Arizona is not heat in the summer. This isn't where you know the airplane tires melt on the tarmac. Their biggest problem is frost in the spring and fall. So they actually have cold problems more than heat problems. And in that chill, they actually get really good acidity. So this is a brighter, more acidic wine. It's not the big fruit bomb. It's a shorter growing season, so it doesn't get that uber-ripe fruit. And I actually love the style in balance. It's almost a All claret right. style. I'll pay 50 bucks for it. I knew I could talk you into it. <laughs> No, you know what? I like this wine a lot. I also think it makes, uh, once again, a great statement about what can be done in states that you don't traditionally think of as winemaking states. It's a very solid wine. I like a wine that's just a tad bit bigger. All right, I'm going to give them both thumbs up, albeit not a huge thumbs up, but I'd like to try the Arizona wines and see what the difference is. But these are pretty fun. And you can't put a stereotype on these. You have to think out of the box and just let yourself react to a different style. Okay, very well. All right, that's going to do it for Sipping with Sarah this week, and we'll be back with more Grape Encounters right after this. Connecting winemakers, wine lovers, wine adventures, and all things wine from around the globe. You are listening to Grape Encounters Radio with David Wilson, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of California. Wilson! We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the wine going bad. And while a Coravin wine access system costs a little bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. Learn more about the Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. GrapeEncounters.com. Grape Encounters Radio is always on the lookout for great story ideas, even if they're completely and totally off the wall. So here's the deal. Share your story ideas with me or send a question you'd like to hear answered on the show. If I use your question or suggestion, I'll send you a special gift from EpicStyle.com. I want to know what you want to know. You can contact me on the Grape Encounters Radio group page on Facebook or email David at GrapeEncountersRadio.com. If you've got something for me, I've got something for you. If you love wine, then you probably love to travel, too. And there are two places you should really visit soon. The best part is you don't even have to pack a bag or leave your house. If you're looking for adventures in wine, log on to GrapeEncounters.com. There you'll find an audio library of more than 300 stories that will take you virtually anywhere you want to go. At GrapeEncounters.com, you'll find short subjects as well as full stories. All audio can be downloaded with one click, and you'll be amazed at the broad range of subject matter. Another place you really should visit is our Facebook group page. Simply search for Grape Encounters Radio or click on the link on our website. The Grape Encounters Radio group has become a formidable place for wine lovers to exchange ideas, introduce products, and share upcoming events. If you're not already a group member, then join the party on Facebook. 
Grape Encounters is more than a radio broadcast. It's a family of like-minded, fun-loving, unpretentious wine lovers. Come fill up your glass today. This is Grape Encounters News, a taste of what's happening in the world of wine. with Grape Encounters Radio, and no edition of Grape Encounters Radio would be complete without the Grape Encounters news. With the help of our chief wine news correspondent, Larry Gifford. You're too kind, David. What? For doing what? I just introduced you. That was it. You said no Grape Encounters show would be complete without me. Uh, I was referring to it wouldn't be complete without the news. Oh. (laughs) Before we get started, what's the deal over on Facebook? You're asking all sorts of questions, and you know, there I am telling telling everybody I drive a Honda CRV and drink and Cabernet. I'm not asking a lot of questions. I'm asking two questions, and I'm glad you reminded me because, listeners, you need to go to the Grape Encounters group page. Look for the Grape Encounters group page. There are other Grape Encounters pages there, but the Grape Encounters group page, I've got a little survey on there. I just want to know what your go-to wine is and what you drive. (laughs) I don't know where that's going. I'm going to tell you what. It's going to be an incredible revelation, but I need more people to respond to the survey. I've got quite a few, but I need more. Right now, it's unscientific. You're trying to make it scientific. Oh, yes. I'm trying to make it statistically significant. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what. I am going to blow the roof off the wine world with the revelation that I'm going to prove. Wow. I can't wait. Okay. All well, right. And, uh, and what do you drive? I dr- a Honda CRV. And your go-to wine? Cabernet. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, our wine you, make- you just broke the mold. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my mom told me, too. All right. Go ahead with the news. Uh, a recent banner headline had China taking over France as the world's largest wine-growing region, which is wrong. Yes, they have more acres of grapes now in China than France. Why are you telling us a false story? Because I'm correcting a falsehood that was on all the trades. It it was on all the trades, as a matter of fact. And And it's not true. I had a really strong belief that that was not true. So the total vineyard area in China is 1.97 million acres, according to this new study. But less than 100,000 acres are for wine grapes. Everything else is for table grapes. That was the hitch, that they were discounting grapes in general, and then later on they went, wait a second, wait a second, you're supposed to let those rot first. (laughs) (laughs) One of your favorite wine accessories, the Corvin, is growing. They're going to make a bigger one? Well, no. Corvin's hired former Nespresso exec Frederick Levy as CEO to help with the wine access tool expanding its footprint in Europe and Now, wait a second, wait a second. Nick Lazarus is the CEO of Corvin. Is he gone? I think they've hired in this guy to help expand in Europe and Asia. But how can he be CEO? i got to check and see if Nick is still there. Okay. We've had him on the show. I really like that guy. He was the guy who took the Keurig coffee pot from nothing to everything. Wow. Cool. Oh, man. I hope he's not gone. So Corvin, since 2013, when they launched, have sold 70,000 devices. Is that a lot or is that not that many? Well, for, for that expensive of a device, I think that's quite a bit. It's only been around for less than two years. So 70,000 times, they're about $300 a piece. So what are we talking? What? 2.1 2. million? Yeah, I think that's right. 2.1 million. Okay. 
Really? That's not bad. And by the way, you can actually get a Corvin by going to grapeencounters.com. We have a link. We actually sell them. Oh, cool. And, and this was not a self-serving story, but we, no. do, we do have them because I think everybody should have one. I like to say that I sell them as a public service. <laughs> Seriously. The, the, this is not it, an infomercial. It, I've had so many wines that I've opened go bad, and I don't want that to happen to you. Get a Corvin. Get a Corvin. I'm not getting rich off this. Grapeencounters.com. Okay. Hey, we like to keep our Grape Encounters fans in the loop when it comes to emerging trends. And Bloomberg Business has come out with eight hotspots producing your next great bottle of wine. Hotspots? Do you want to know? You mean places? Yeah. Like, do you want to guess? Uh, Hotspots for wine? Yeah. Like the, mm. the next big places for wine. Mm, Virginia? Yep. Commonwealth of Virginia? Uh, Go ahead, because I'm drawing a blank here now. Tokaj, Hungary. Hungary? Yeah. They make a great wine there. It's their answer to Chardonnay and Riesling is what's going to be really popular. Delicious, yeah. Yara Valley, Australia. Okay. Making a really cool Pinot Noir. The Republic of Georgia. Georgia. Georgia's a state. No, no. This they is, make moonshine there. <laughs> this is the Republic Georgia. of Georgia. And it's a real spicy wine, kind of earthy. Uh, Southern England is a hot spot. Lodi, California. Lodi in the middle of nowhere, right? Stuck in Lodi. <laughs> Mount Etna, Sicily. Mount Etna. Is that a volcano? It is. It is? Yes. That's why, by the way, some of the wines are so terrific in the Napa Valley is because they're growing on this volcanic soil. Oh, yeah. So I wonder what they'll be growing in Italy. I don't know. You don't know. All right. <laughs> great to see. Uh, and Mall Valley, Chile. Oh, okay. So some of these are not what I would call up-and-comers. They're already been theirs. Okay. Well, right. Okay. But who said this? Bloomberg business. Bloomberg business. Yep. Uh, they're too busy watching the stock market. In Singapore's restaurant and bar, Timber, your glass of wine and your food is flown through the restaurant over your head to your table on a server drone. Oh, no. Yes. Seriously. It carries 4.4 pounds, the equivalent of two glasses of wine, two beers, and a pizza. All right, there was a very funny video that I saw on YouTube, but it was a total fake. Okay. Where a guy flew a bottle of wine to somebody, actually a couple that were picnicking out in a field. <laughs> and it was a video that was created by a vintner, and I can't remember which one it was. But anyway, it was all totally faked, but it was really pretty cute. And I saw that and I said, that's such a weird idea. <laughs> the Jetsons is just around the corner. And, and so in Singapore, they're actually doing that. Yeah. And in San Francisco, at one of the luxury hotels, they were using a drone last year to serve champagne to guests. But remember how we were talking about the fact that you have to have a pilot's license in order to fly one of those drones if you're doing it commercially? Yeah. Are you telling me that... I'm guessing in Singapore those rules are a little lax. Oh, it may not be the same rules there. <laughs> yeah. But didn't you say they were doing it in San Francisco? Well, last year, but I think it was an experiment and they probably got the kibosh once the FAA weighed in. Well, I heard that San Francisco has the largest number of out-of-work pilots. <laughs> I made that up. No, yeah. it's not true. Okay. All right. One final story. Oxford and Cambridge universities have annual competitions for academics and crew, and for the last 50 years, their blind wine tasting societies have competed annually. Wait, are all the students 21 or older? Well, I think they just spit. They don't drink. Oh, they spit. Yeah, so each school puts six tasters up for the competition. You don't know that. No, I do. You do? Cambridge apparently slurps and spits more than Oxford. That's okay. What that's what I'm told. All right, and it's Oxford and... Cambridge. Cambridge. So our team and their team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking so, the Cambridge kids probably would do a lot better. Well, traditionally, Oxford has come out on top, but Cambridge is the defending champ. Really? Oh, see? Both okay. teams are now petitioning to have their blind tasting teams officially recognized as sports teams. <laughs> 
as they did for chess and were successful. Do you know what that means, Larry? I do. If that happens, Larry Gifford and David Wilson will no longer be radio personalities. We'll be sports stars. We'll be athletes. <laughs> and that's the news as we see. I think we ended on that high note. Hey, we'll see you back here next week, same time. And don't forget to go to Facebook, the Grape Encounters group page, and put in your information about what car you drive and what wine you drink. We're not asking much. You never know what part of the country or the world the Grape Encounters microphones will take you to. Don't miss a single experience. Your Grape Encounter isn't over. We're just taking a breather until next week's edition.